Good evening, everybody. Tonight we're going to be concluding our series on the book of Revelation. Last week we finished in chapter 19, which dealt with the second coming of Jesus to the earth. And we saw in that chapter that Jesus, the one who ascended to heaven as described in, in the book of Acts, the one who is currently seated at the Father's right hand in heaven, will return to take back the earth from the devil and establish his kingdom on the earth. And the nature of this event, of the second coming, shows how it differs from the rapture of the church. At the rapture, uh, Jesus meets his own in the air. In this event, in the second coming, he comes with them to the earth. At the rapture, there is no judgment. In this event, it's all judgment. In this event, the second coming is preceded by blackness, the darkness of the sun, the moon, their light has gone out, stars have fallen, there's smoke, and then lightning and blinding glory as Jesus comes back to the earth. And these details are not included in the passages dealing with the rapture of the church. And we saw that Jesus comes back on a white horse. And in Roman times, a Roman general always returned to Rome in a triumphal procession on a white horse. And John portrays Jesus here as the conqueror on his war horse, on a white horse, coming to destroy the wicked and overthrow the Antichrist and defeat Satan and take control of the earth. So tonight we're going to be looking at chapters 20, 21, and 22. And again, Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of being able to study your word and we thank you again that you are the only one who knows the end from the beginning and that you've revealed it to us through your word. And we just thank you again for the privilege and blessing of being able to study your word. We just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So we see here that Satan and his demons are going to be imprisoned for a period of a thousand years. And this imprisonment is going to dramatically alter the world during the time of the millennial kingdom because the 
destructive influence of Satan and his demons in all areas of human life are going to be totally and completely removed. And Satan here referred to as a dragon, likening the devil to a dragon just again emphasizes his ferocity and cruelty. And where it refers to here as the serpent of old, it's a reference to Satan's first appearance in the Garden of Eden where he deceived Eve. And we see in this passage that we've read he's going to be um, imprisoned for a thousand years in the bottomless pit. And seven times this appears in the book of Revelation and it refers to the place where fallen angels and evil spirits are kept captive waiting to be sent to the lake of fire, the final hell that is prepared for them. And it says here that Satan will be released again for a little while. Satan is going to be released so that God can make a permanent end of sin before establishing a new heaven and a new earth. And all those that survive the tribulation and enter into the Messianic uh, kingdom, not all are going to be uh, believers, despite the fact that it's going to be an incredible time of peace and prosperity that the world has never known. There are still going to be those who are not going to believe in him. And at the end of that uh, period at the end of the thousand years, Satan will then gather those unbelievers for one final futile rebellion against God, which is going to be very quickly and decisively crushed, which is then going to be followed by the great white throne judgment. Revelation 20, verse 4 And I saw thrones. And they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So, the first resurrection, blessed are those who die in the Lord. They, are, um, they have the blessed privilege of entering into his kingdom and the second death that is referred to here. The first death is physical. The second death is spiritual. It's eternal. It's in the lake of fire. The final eternal hell. And it's very, very possible that um, hell could exist outside the created universe that we know it. Outside space and time. And from what we understand from scripture... It is presently unoccupied. Now when the thousand years, verse 7, have expired, Satan will be released from his prison, will go out and deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog, 
and Magog to gather them together, together for battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, and the fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever. In hell, it is continuous, unrelieved torment, and that is going to be the final state of Satan, fallen angels, and all unredeemed men. Now, verse 11 deals with the great white throne judgment. John writes here, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. What John is describing here is that uh, where the earth and heaven uh, fled away, John saw the contaminated universe because the whole universe has been contaminated by sin. He sees it go out of existence, and Peter actually describes this in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 to 13. So the universe is going to go into almost like an uncreated, non-existent state, and that's what he describes here. And he says, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone found written... Not um, sorry, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So, standing before God, the dead are going to be judged. The books are going to be opened, and these books record every thought, word and deed of sinful men. It's all been recorded, uh, is what the scripture tells us, and they are going to provide evidence for eternal condemnation. Every person that appears before the great white throne judgment is going to be told exactly why they are going to be going to a lost eternity. And the scripture tells us here that they're going to be judged according to their works. Their thoughts, their words, their actions are going to be compared to God's perfect and holy standard. And they are going to be found wanting. And then it says, death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. All the unrighteous dead that appear before the great white throne judgment will not escape. They are all going to go 
into the hell, the lake of fire, as the scripture says. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Chapter 21 opens where John describes now saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was also no more sea. So now what we see here, this chapter opens with all the sinners of all ages, demons, men, including Satan, the beast, the false prophet, the antichrist, have all been thrown into the lake of fire forever. And the whole universe has been destroyed and God creates a new universe, a new heaven and a new earth, which is going to be the eternal dwelling place of the redeemed. And the reason why God creates a new heaven and a new earth is because the existing universe has been contaminated by sin. So remember, man was not the first sinner. Satan was the first sinner where he rose up in rebellion against God. And that is something that happened in heaven. And the whole universe has been contaminated by uh, Satan's rebellion against God and also man's rebellion as well too, where Adam and Eve disobeyed God and ate of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And so sin also entered into the whole of the human race. So now we see that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And John goes on to describe here uh, the new Jerusalem. I'm not going to go into too much detail about what John talks about the, um, the new Jerusalem, except to just cover the end of this chapter where he deals with the glory of the new Jerusalem. And he says there in chapter 21, verse 22, but I saw no temple in it, meaning that there was no temple in the new Jerusalem, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So this uh, passage tells us that there's no need for a temple uh, in the New Jerusalem since God himself is going to be uh, the temple. And the presence of God is actually going to fill the entire uh, new heaven and new earth. And going to heaven is going to be entering the limitless presence um, of the Lord. Revelation chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God 
and of the Lamb, and in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light, nor sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Here we see the tree of life referred to in Revelation uh, 22. And the tree of life is a symbol of eternal life and continual blessing. The first time we read about the tree of life, it's referred to in uh, Genesis chapter 2. This tree bears 12 fruits, one for each month. And it's really symbolic of the abundant variety that there is in heaven. And we see here that uh, the leaves um, of this tree are for the healing of the nations. And the leaves somehow are going to enrich uh, heavenly life, making it full and satisfying. And the scripture tells us here that uh, there is no more curse. So the curse that was on humanity and on the earth as a result of Adam and Eve's disobedience will now be totally finished. And God will never have to judge sins again because, uh, sin again because it will not exist uh, in the new heaven and the new earth. And in verse uh, 4 where it says, And they shall see his face. What we know and understand uh, from the scriptures is no unglorified human being could see God's face and live. But the residents of heaven are going to be able to look on God's face without harm because they are now holy. Verse 9, then he said to me, see to it. Sorry, I actually um, jumped ahead here. Uh, let's go back to um, verse 6. Then he said to me, these are the words, faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophet sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly, and blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Again, that is a echo of what we read in uh, Revelation chapter 1, where God promises uh, a blessing on those who uh, study the book, who read it, who hear it explained, and respond to it uh, in obedience. And... In verse 8, John says, Now I saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal 
the words of the prophecy of this book. For the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. So John is told here, do not seal up the words of this book. We have previous prophecies like in Daniel, where Daniel was told that the prophecy would be sealed up until the time of the end. These prophecies here are to be proclaimed so that they can produce obedience and worship and serve as a warning to us as to what is going to be happening in the future. And in verse 11, we see that those who reject God's warnings will fix their eternal destiny in hell, where they will retain their evil and filthy natures for eternity. And those who respond to these warnings will fix their eternal destiny in glory and realize perfect righteousness and holiness in heaven. Verse 12, And behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs, sorcerers, and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. Again, here, this is a reference to those that have died in their sins and that appear uh, before the great white throne judgment and are thrown into the lake of fire are going to be there for eternity. They will have no place at all in the new heaven and new earth that God is going to create. And Jesus says here in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you that these things in the churches, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say come, and let him who hears say come, and let him who thirsts come, whoever desires, let him come, to the water of life freely. The reference again here to Jesus being the bright and morning star, the brightest star uh, that's in the sky uh, just before dawn actually announces the arrival of a new day. And when Jesus comes, he will be, he's likened to the brightest star that appears just before the, the day comes is going to shatter, Jesus is going to shatter the darkness of man's night and herald the new dawn of God's glorious day when he comes back to the earth to establish God's kingdom uh, on the earth. Verse 18 says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So these warnings here 
against altering, changing the biblical text. It closes off the uh, New Testament canon and anyone who tampers with the truth of God's word by attempting to falsify it, mitigate it, to alter it, to misrepresent it, will incur the judgments that are described in these verses. Verse 20, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That concludes the study of the book of Revelation. And before we conclude this evening, we've been sharing a lot about what is going to happen to those who do not know Christ, who have died in their sins. And again, I just want to finish off by just reiterating the Bible way, what the Word of God tells us about the way to heaven. First of all, we need to admit that we are sinners. The scripture tells us in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. No one is good enough to go to heaven on his own merit. No matter how much good we do, we still come short of God's standard. So the first thing that we have to do is to admit that we sinners. The second thing is to realize the penalty of sin. Because Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death. So just as there are wages for good, there's also punishment for wrong. And the penalty of our sin is eternal death in the place called hell that we were reading about now in the book of Revelation. The third thing that the scripture tells us is that we need to believe that Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and that he rose again, and that he did that for us. The scripture tells us in Romans 10 verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And Romans 6.23 tells us, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is what Romans 10.13 tells us. So, Eternal life is a gift. It's not earned. It's a gift that was purchased by the blood of Jesus when he died on the cross. And that gift of salvation is offered freely to those who call upon him by faith, repent of their sins, and then live wholeheartedly for him. And anyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Being saved is a one-time event. If you put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sin, turn and follow and live for him. And if you've never done that, I would encourage you to do that because we are living in a time period now where we are on the brink of this time period that the scripture talks about the time of the tribulation. 
Jesus is coming back to fetch his own. And after that, he is going to return a second time in judgment to come back and establish his kingdom on the earth. Lord, we just thank you again for the privilege of being able to study your word. I just again pray your blessing on everybody that has been listening tonight. And I just pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ would be with each and every single person. Amen.